Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for being here tonight already, God, in such sweet worship. Lord, it's, it's almost like I could hear all the angels joining in and singing as we come before you, Lord, and we thank you that we already sense your presence already. And I ask, God, that, that even more so as we get into your word, that you would just touch it with your spirit, God. Lord, you are what we need. You are what we ever wanted, Lord. Help us, God, to follow you and nothing else so lord i pray you bless your word tonight and that your holy spirit would anoint this time and we ask this in jesus name and everyone said amen amen well a number of years ago a survey was given to some law enforcement officers in scotland and they had been asked on this survey one of the questions was what is your religious affiliation Well, to the surprise of many, some of them actually wrote down Jediism. Yes, the Jedi religion. That's what they're into. And that's all based on the Star Wars movies. Uh, Recently, really, in the past uh, maybe years since uh, 2000, a new religion basically has sprouted up and officially in different countries, it's an official uh, religion. And there are many, many devoted followers, too. They have actually their own kind of like Jedi code. And it has like 33 Jedi teachings to live by. And you can truly become a Jedi. How do you like that? I won't bore you with all 33, but some of them I thought was interesting. Some of them are obvious, like number six in their teachings is the Jedi can feel the Force. So we know from the movie, right? Use the Force, Luke, right? Uh, Number 12 says, Jedi avoid acting on dark side of emotions. Like they say, fear, anger, aggression, and hate. And that's from the movies too, yeah? I mean, that wasn't it. Um, uh, Anakin's problem, right? (laughs) Uh, Number 14 says that lightsaber dueling is the Jedi sport of choice. I was thinking, good thing they're not invented yet. It was like, oh, sorry, I cut your arm off or something like that. (laughs) Number 27 is Jedi believe in democracy, but usually don't trust politicians. (laughs) I thought that was a funny one. Of course, right? Every Star Wars movie has something to do with the politicians and, and all that, right? One more, number 32 says, Jedi can feel disturbances in the Force. And yeah, we know that from the movies. And I'll tell you what, I got a bad feeling about this Jedi religion. No. Anyway, so there you go. Here's what you do. Here's what you can follow if you want to be a follower of the Jedi. Well, we know that's really nonsense. It's really, if you look at it, the, the Jedi religion is based on some other religions that are out already in the world. But today we see in our passage that there is some, someone we want to follow, and that's Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see in Luke chapter 5 is this process that Peter and the disciples went through in becoming a follower of Jesus. And that's the title of our message, Becoming a Follower of Jesus. Now, three things here we're going to see in Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 through 11. Our outline is this, the place of brokenness. Number two, the place of holiness. And number three, the place of 
humbleness. So we're going to see those three things in this process that these guys went through in becoming followers of Jesus. So the first thing is, number one, the place of brokenness. The place of brokenness. And here we're going to cover verses 1 through 5. Verses 1 through 5. Take a look here, first of all, verses 1 through 3, or beginning at verse 1 through 3. It, it reads here, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now we'll stop right here, and we begin in verse 1, where Luke, the writer of this gospel, says, On one occasion. Well, what's this occasion he's talking about? Well, if you look up in the verse above that, verse 44 of chapter 4, it says, And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So, remember, Jesus went out in his ministry preaching the word. So on one of those occasions when he was preaching, that's the idea here. When he was out there, his preaching tour, and when he was preaching on one of those occasions, well, here, in this place, in verse 1, the crowd that had come to hear him was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. While he was standing, it says here, by the lake of Gennesaret. Now that lake is actually uh, what we may know called the Sea of Galilee. It's not a sea, it's actually a lake. It's about uh, uh, 13 miles long and 7 miles wide. It's there on the northern area of Israel. And it's about 150 feet deep. So it's a lake there in Israel. And remember the town of Capernaum that we saw last time, it's right there on the North Shore. So certainly Jesus would go out there and be preaching. And on this occasion, he was preaching right there on the shores of this lake. And so the crowd is pressing in on him. And so there was no more room. People started to hear about Jesus. Remember, his preaching was like no other person they've ever heard. He preached with power and authority, the title of our message last time. And so there's so many people. Jesus is starting to be kind of pushed into the water. So he looks over in verse 2, and there's two boats by the lake. The fishermen had gone out because they're washing their nets. They're like done fishing and we're going to see that they had been fishing all night so they're tending to their nets washing them off uh, keeping them good for the next time they're going to go fishing well he got into one of the boats which belonged to simon now this is simon peter here simon peter we're talking about and he asked peter hey can you can you bring me out a little bit away from the shore so that he can continue to teach as the people pressed in and he sat down in a boat and taught the people there. So we see here, Peter's boat became the stage from which Jesus preached the word. I like something J. Vernon McGee wrote. He said, Every pulpit is a fishing boat, a place to give out the word of God, an attempt to catch fish. I like that. Catching fish meaning people. We're going to be seeing that also at the end of our passage here. So here's Jesus. He's preaching the word as he does normally. He's continuing to preach the word. And here's his ministry going on. 
Except this time, he's sitting in the boat offshore a little bit so people can hear. Now, understand that that um, right there on the shore of Galilee, it's uh, around the, the lake there is hills. And so people all around, and it made like this natural amphitheater for Jesus to be speaking from. All right, look at verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And then verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. So we'll stop there. Now, after he's finished preaching here, Jesus he turns to Simon and said, hey, you know what? Put out to the deep. In other words, go out to the deep part of the lake. Go out to the middle of the lake and let down your nets and go catch some fish here. Well, the interesting thing here is that nighttime is usually a time to go out and, and go fish uh, out there on the lake. That was the normal time. Uh, during the, the day, they might go like... Uh, uh, throw net, you know, from shore, they'll be waiting there. But when Jesus said, go out into the deep, that was like usually what the fishermen did at night. And so that's why Simon said, uh, Peter said in verse 5, he said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. So they were just out there. Matter of fact, not just out there, they were there all night. They have been toiling, laboring all night, trying to catch fish, and they caught nothing there and so he's saying master by the way master here would be like a respectful way in the greek for uh peter to call jesus kind of like hey boss you know hey hey boss man or hey master and so respectfully he's saying uh master we we toiled all night long and well you know what we we didn't really uh, catch anything maybe peter was thinking i know the lake i know my trade um, maybe Jesus, you, you should stick to building furniture. You're you're a carpenter. Remember, he was a, a a carpenter's son, and he took the trade of his father Joseph. And maybe leave the fishing to professionals. Maybe those thoughts kind of went through his mind. But amazingly, at the end of verse five, Peter says, "But at your word, I will let down the nets." Isn't that amazing? He says, "Okay, I'll go do what you." I will go out into the deep and will put down those nets. So Peter the fisherman listened to what Jesus the carpenter wanted him to do. Now, why was Peter willing to go out again? I mean, he, they were just, they spent the whole day there, right? They probably came back in washing their nets. They were ready for some breakfast and go to bed now. But then here's Jesus preaching, and Jesus gets into his boat. Now Peter can't do anything but be there with him. Maybe, and most likely, whatever Jesus was preaching impacted Peter. I mean, he was a captive audience, right? They're sitting in a boat with Jesus. And perhaps also what's influencing Peter is, and I'm not counting, you know, what we're not talking about here is that how about all the miracles that he had already seen already that he witnessed already i mean the healing the casting out demons that we saw and like his own mother-in-law was healed in his own house and he understood the power and authority of jesus and what we saw last time but i believe the tipping point was for peter and the others the tipping point was they were in the place of 
brokenness. And thus our heading here. I mean, think about this. They fished all night and they came back defeated, right? The score was fish one, fisherman zero. They were tired, they're frustrated, totally discouraged, you know, giving up, totally. They just want to wash their nets, go to bed. I think Peter had come to this place of brokenness where he's at the end of himself. His pride was broken and he had hit bottom. There was really nothing keeping him from obeying Jesus. Even his own self-will was out of the way in this state. So I believe this all happened as God sovereignly allowed to bring Peter and the other fishermen, the other disciples to be to this place of brokenness. So what we see here is from the place of brokenness came the willingness to obey Jesus. From the place of brokenness came this, the willingness to obey Jesus. That, that's why he was like, well, Master, we've been out all night. But you know what? At your word, we're going to go out and do that. You know, I've said this many times. One of my favorite quotes from Corey Ten Boom is, You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And I like that. And I'm thinking about this here because God may allow the defeat in our lives, or like here with Peter, to strip you from relying on yourself and then open your eyes to see, you know what, all I have is Jesus, but, all, but Jesus is all we really need. You know, tonight, let me ask you, maybe those of you connected online or watching this now, anyone here, are you facing troubles and difficulties does, does it seem like all your hard work does nothing? It doesn't do anything? You know what? Let what is happening bring you to the end of self, end of pride, end of doing things on your own. Listen to what Jesus is asking you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. You know what? This was the time where in his brokenness, Jesus asked him to do something. And coming up is a miracle. But think about that. It didn't make sense anything, but he was brought to this place of of brokenness where he came to the willingness to just obey Jesus in whatever it is. And so, you know what? Surrender your command to the captain of Jesus. Let him be the captain. No. This brokenness, this broken spirit, and his willingness to obey Jesus was actually making a way for God to be able to mold Peter. And that's what's going on here. To mold him so he could be used greatly is is the beginning of these lessons for Peter and the disciples. And the place of brokenness is realizing, and this is what he's learning here, Jesus knows more than you. Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus knows where the fish is. And so even in our lives, we need to obey even if we can't see it. Even if we can't make it and we can't, our perspective say, I don't know if it'll work. And so this is this first step in the process in becoming a follower of Jesus. This place of brokenness. Well, let's go on to number two now. Number two is the place of holiness. The place of holiness. We're going to look at verse 6 through 8 now. Verse 6 says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large 
number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. All right, now, as the fishermen uh, went out there. Now, I, you got to imagine probably Peter's like, come on, guys. What, Peter? What? We're tired. No, no, come on, come on. Let, let's go out. Come on. You know, Jesus said, we're going to do this. All right, all right. And, and already we see, you know, Peter's like the leader in this bunch. And so they follow him and they go out there. They go into the deep part, the middle of the lake here, and they put down the nets. Now, as the fishermen began to enclose the net, they caught all this fish, a large amount, so much so that, that the net was straining and it was breaking. It was, it was, it was, it was becoming uh, stretched out uh, between the two boats. Now, the, this net was normally like about uh, 300 feet long, maybe only about uh, 8 feet or more so deep. And so uh, that's why at night they would go and fish because the fish would be on the surface of the water at, at, at night, but in the daytime they'd go into the depths. But when they went out, there was more fish, and it was opposite of what you expected, of what they even expected. And so here's all this fish, and it's starting, their nets are starting to break. So much so, they signaled to their partners, and the other boat, come out, bring, bring more boats, come out. And they, they began to fill the boats with the, the, the fish, so much so, fish, that the boats began to sink. And with this miracle that Peter saw witness with his own eyes right there in his own boat with his own nets, with, with him being a fisherman, never, probably never seen anything like this before. When Simon Peter saw it, verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Remember, Jesus is in a boat preaching while well, he went out with them. And at the sight of this miracle, Jesus fell right down in front of Jesus in shame. He was totally in shame. And he said, depart. Like, you got to leave me. Why is that? Well, because for I am a sinful man. I'm a sinner. And in seeing the miracle, seeing what Jesus had done, brought the shame upon Peter. Notice something. He says, oh, Lord. The Greek word is curious, which is the, the Greek word for Lord, Lord God. And that's different from what he called Jesus at first, right? First it was boss man, yeah, master, right? But now Peter sees Jesus totally different and says, Oh, Lord. He realizes now Jesus is the Messiah God. I think Peter realized this. If Jesus could see the depths of the lake, like he can see the, the depths of the lake of the fit with the fishers, Jesus could see the depths of his heart. So with the miracle catch of fish, Peter clearly sees that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Messiah God. And so Peter came to this moment, this place of holiness. That's our heading. He came to the place of holiness and then painfully became aware of his own sinfulness. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, take a moment, turn over, over to um, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And, and to the left in the Old Testament. If you remember um, in Isaiah chapter 6, this was where uh, after the 
King Uzziah, the good king, passed away. He died, and, and Isaiah the prophet was brought into the throne room of God. He has this vision of, of, of the Lord sitting upon the throne. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. The angels were all around singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And, and, and the whole heaven shook when, when the Lord spoke and the house was filled with the glory of God. And in that moment, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah says, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Remember, uh, remember Isaiah, he was, he was the prophet at that time, calling out to Israel to come back to the Lord. Israel had, had wandered away from God. And I, I would say Isaiah was the holiest man there in all of Israel. Yet, when he was with the Lord, he goes, woe is me, I am lost. Or the old King James says, I am undone. He couldn't take it being in the holiness of of God, God could see that uh, right through him. He he could feel it, and that he is a sinner. He's a man of unclean lips. Well, you know what? Back to Luke chapter five. Peter had his Isaiah moment. It wasn't a vision of God that he saw, but he realized right there in the boat was God Himself, Jesus the Lord, and that was his Isaiah six moment so from the place of holiness came the deep sense of sinfulness that's what we see here with peter that miracle catch all of a sudden he realized who this was that because of the miracle that happened caused him to see whoa jesus knows jesus can see where the fish is jesus sees into me jesus has has the power and jesus can do miracles oh my gosh this is really the lord God. So from the place of holiness then came the deep sense of his own sinfulness as the holy God was sitting there right before him. You know, a few years ago, my mother um, had some laser surgery on her eyes. And this was, I think she was in her late 70s, or maybe she was in her 80s already. But anyway, she had some laser surgery in her eyes. And when she had her first eye done before it healed, and they did the second one. She, she, I, I laugh when she was telling me on the phone. I was like, how's it going? She goes, oh, I could see so much clearly. And she was sitting at the table in her house, and she noticed on the wall in front of them that there was some dirt spots on there. And she said, I had to tell your dad that to wash it again. And kind of made me laugh because I guess my dad washed it. But now she could see clearly, and she could see those dirt, stop, dirt spots. Well, that's what happened with Peter's eyes. His eyes are fully cleared with this miracle. And from that, he could see that, that this is God. From the, and this is, I'm in the holy presence of God. And from the place of holiness came all of a sudden his deep sense of sinfulness, the spots in his life already. I mean, when Peter's eyes saw what the miracle did, I mean, he seen people healed. He, he heard the teachings of Jesus. He had he seen demons cast out. But this miracle reached directly, personally into his life. Because he's a fisherman. He'd been toiling all night. And then right there in front of him, it touched him personally. 
And that made him see. This tipped it all over to make him make him see Jesus' identity. And then suddenly, in that holy presence of Jesus, he shamefully became well aware of his unworthiness. So the, from the place of holiness came this deep sense of sinfulness. I don't know about you, I, I find as I draw closer to God, as I get nearer to Him, uh, I tend to see more sin in my heart. And, and you know why? Because as the closer you get to God's holy light, the more you begin to see what's in those cracks and crevices and all. But you know what? Do not be discouraged. Because all of this is designed for growth. All of this was for Peter and the disciples to grow and to be more useful and to understand and really see Jesus for who he is. And, and it is for us, right? I, when we see more of our sin, we're exposed to God's holy light, and we see more, then it helps us to grow more, helps us to take care of those things. And know this, that Jesus died for all of our sins, so you can be forgiven of even those sins that you, you see in those cracks and crevices. Listen, this is how God molds us. This is how God changes us. This is how God helps us to grow more mature in the Lord. He has you go out into those deep waters. He has you go into those places so you can see who Jesus is more clearly and that light will shine upon you. And that even though we may be shamed of those sins we maybe forgotten about or didn't think about, God is still there helping us and changing us. So we see here from the brokenness to seeing his holiness. This is that process of becoming a follower of Jesus. So the place of brokenness, the place of holiness. Now let's go to our last heading, the place of humbleness, the place of humbleness. We're going to cover the last uh verses in our section verses 9 through 11 but take a look at verse 9 and 10 first verse 9 and 10 it says for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken and so also were james and john sons of zebedee who were partners with simon and james said to simon i mean jesus said to simon excuse me do not be afraid from now on you will be catching Men, And we'll stop right there. So we see here that not only Peter in verse 9, but all who were with him, they were astonished. They were awestruck. They were like amazed. That's what that word means. That at the catch of fish, they've never seen anything like this. This, is, this doesn't make sense. This, is, this doesn't happen. Of all the years these guys professionally been fishing, never ever happened. So they're just amazed. And so everyone, the fishermen, everyone with Peter, and also within verse 10 says, James and John, sons of Zebedee. That's the father of James and John. Remember, they are the, the sons of thunder. Uh, they, they, they were very uh, uh, boisterous and, and, and into wanting God's things to be done and and, and remember, they wanted uh, all of Samaria to be burned, you know, when they rejected Jesus. You said, no, no, you don't know what you're saying. So that's James and John. Uh, they were partners. They're in the fishing business with Simon or Peter here. Then look what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, do not be 
afraid. Why is that? Well, Peter is shame, in shame right now. He knows he's with the Lord God, the Holy God, and God can see all of his sin, and who knows what's going to happen you know, in that moment. Well, Jesus is reassuring Peter, like, hey, don't, don't be afraid. You know what he's saying? Hey, I'm, it's all right. I'm here with mercy. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm not going to hold it against you right now. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And then he says in verse 11, I'm sorry, uh, verse, at the end of verse 10, he says, from now on, you will be catching men. So here's Jesus with great mercy, grace, and he, come, he tells Peter, you know, no worries about that right now. But you know, from here on, I got a new job for you. From here on, you will be catching men. Literally, in the Greek, it's, it's catching alive men. And that really speaks of going out and rescuing people, saving them. And so, with that phrase, Jesus is really saying, you know, I want you to become my disciple and go with me and start catching people like you were catching fish. To bring in a haul of people just like you brought in this haul of fish. You see, this was not so much the miracle catch of fish. I mean, we could talk a lot about that. We could talk about how Jesus knew in his omniscience where the fish was and what to do. We could talk about how sometimes we don't want to go out into the deep and step out in faith and when God is telling us to do, but we need to be obedient and teachable and, and just follow Jesus and trust him. I mean, we could talk about that, but you know what? What I see here, this was not so much about the miracle catch of fish, but more about the picture of how these disciples will now be fishing for people with the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus is showing them a picture. You guys are going to be catching people now with the gospel, and many will come to know salvation in that way. Over in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 it says, um, Jesus told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and that's this whole idea. That's how, I, not from now on, you're going to be catching men. You're going to be fishers of men now. I'm raising you guys up to be my disciples, to do what I do also. And you know what? As we sit here today, isn't that what we are to do as disciples of Jesus. We are to be fishers of men. We are to be going out and to be, to be catching people alive, bringing them to Christ, sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel, sharing the message so they may come to Jesus, so they may be saved, so they may have new life, so they may be forgiven. We are following along with these disciples. We are to be fishers of men, catching alive people also. All right, our last verse here. It says in verse 11, And when they had brought their boats to land, notice, they left everything and followed him. Back in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Isn't that interesting? So as soon as they came back to land, they left everything. They, they abandoned it all. They became followers of Jesus right here. 
They left. Isn't this interesting? The boats, all this fish. I mean, this is probably the biggest catch they ever got. They left that. They left their job as fishermen. They abandoned it it all. And they followed Jesus. In other words, they became Jesus' disciples. They signed up for this. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. So look, look how this flows from the place of brokenness with Peter, uh, end of himself and everything, and then to the place of holiness, the miracle brought, brought to his mind that this is the Lord God in a boat with him. He put it all together after all he's seen. Seeing Jesus clearly, his eyes are open. He, he sees the shame of his own sin. And now this, he come, they, they all come to the place of humbleness, where in this humility, they're listening to God, They hear God speak, and now they immediately abandon everything to follow Jesus. You know, I've always wondered this. Have you wondered this, like reading the Gospels, how, oh, they just left the nets, the boats, their job, and immediately just started following Jesus, signed up to be a disciple. Jesus is their master, their teacher, their rabbi, and they're going to follow him and learn in that Jewish way, but more so oh, this is the Messiah, we're going to follow him. I wonder, I always wonder, how could the disciples just leave it all and join, join the team here? But can you see it now? God had put them through this process. They, he brought him to the place of brokenness, the hip bottom. Uh, God does a work to open their eyes. They see his holiness, who he really is, then exposes uh, that exposes the shamefulness of their sin. And in that place of Humbleness, that's when Jesus called. In that place of, oh, you're God. In that place of, oh, it's not about me no more. Yeah. In that place of, oh, you mean God has mercy on me and still wants to use me? And in that place of humbleness, Jesus calls these guys and says, I want you on my team. I mean, think about that. What more can you do here, right? What more can you do? Whoa, Lord, even in my shame, you still want me to follow you? I mean, to me, that, that's mercy. To me, that's like love. To me, that's like, whoa, God, you want to do that? Oh, that, I'd, I'd be there too, saying, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm there. I'm going to go. This was God's process to bring about this change in, in their lives, a change of profession and a change in all of their priorities here. So the last point is this. From the place of humbleness came the all-out submissiveness to follow Jesus. From the place of humbleness came the all-out submissiveness to follow Jesus. They're in that place now where they're willing to obey, willing to surrender, willing to do whatever they can for Jesus as they went through the brokenness and were, saw their shame in, 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 in the holiness of God. And now they're in this humbleness. And in that humbleness came an easy submissiveness to follow Jesus and do what he's asking them to do. Vance Havner once wrote, God uses broken things. Broken soil and broken clouds to produce grain. Broken grain to produce bread. Broken bread to feed our bodies. He wants our stubbornness broken into humble obedience. And, and I hope that helps you understand what I'm getting at here. Right? We can be so stubborn, thinking, ah, 
We, we know better. We're thinking, that, I, God, I don't see it. I'm not going to do it then. But in the brokenness of, of defeat, in the brokenness of things not working out, discouragement, then God can rebuild us. Then God can help us to see him, to see who he is, and especially through his willingness to want to use us. So he wants our stubbornness broken because you know what comes out? Humble obedience. And that's what's happening here. From this place of humbleness where these disciples are at now came the all-out submissiveness to follow Jesus. And that's how they could abandon everything and become a follower of Jesus. So with this in mind, you guys, keep, keep this in mind. Jesus has this sovereign plan. The Lord has a sovereign plan. He, he works in our life. The lack of fish, yeah? The laboring, nothing happened in our life. It, it doesn't mean God has abandoned us. No, God is doing a work even in the midst of that. To break ourselves, to break that, that sin, to, to get him... To, to get you to rely upon Him and not yourself, to, to take down that self-reliance and pride and all of that, and to help you see through faith, to help you trust God, to bring you to see God for who He is. He is the Lord God. He has the power to do anything. And with that, you come to this place where you see God as your holy Lord God. You know, there, there's a, 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 a word um, in the Bible, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning was God, and the word is Elohim. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, they use that word Elohim, which is another word for mighty God, creator. And you know, when you get to that place where you see the Lord like that, you're humble. It's not about you anymore, Yeah. It's more, oh, God, I'm such a sinner. You see his holiness. You see his power. But in that place, you begin to see who who God really is and the purpose in your life. And that there is something to this life and you can trust God and and whatever he's going to have you do, that you're going to do that. And that you even want to follow him more and live for him more. Now, not everyone's going to leave their job like these guys. But you know what? Jesus will want every believer to make him the center of your heart. Jesus wants us to rearrange all our priorities and make God, His will, what He's asking us to do, everything like these guys did. So that when we put our our, our life, we give our life to God, when we put Him first, when we surrender it all, it's like everything else we do is all, will look like we're abandoning it because, God, whatever you want, we're going to do that. Following Jesus, as we close up here, is more than just acknowledging Him as your Savior. It's not saying, oh, Jesus is my Savior. No, it means leaving the old life, committing all to live the new life that He's given you. I want to close with this. The commentator William Barclay wrote, It is possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple, to be a camp follower without being a soldier of the king. 
And I think about when he uses the word camp, like you go retreats or you go to camp, and oh, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm for Jesus. But then you come back into life, and oh, he's still, Jesus still, but he's just your, your savior, but not your Lord. Or, or you say you're a soldier, but, um, or you say you're serving, but you're not really a, a soldier of the king. Well, then William Barclay wrote about this. Once someone was talking to a great scholar about a younger man, and he said, so-and-so tells me that he was one of your students. The teacher answered, he may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. And then Barclay says, see, there is a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. It is one of the supreme handicaps of the church that in the church there are, and he said, so many distant followers of Jesus and so few real disciples. I don't know about you, but I want to be a close disciple, not a distant one. I want to be a real disciple and I want to be one of the few that are truly a disciple. Let's be that. Let's do these things. Let's see this process yeah, in our own lives. Let us not be like those who are distant followers. But let us now do all that is needed in becoming a true follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and just... This passage today says so much, Lord, as we're following, God, your plan and what you did in calling the disciples to you. Lord, I pray for those who are in the place of brokenness, God, that they would not see so much that and feel like that you're not doing anything, but that you are doing something and see that they're coming to the end of themselves. And Lord, let us all stay in a, a place of brokenness. God, I never want to think that, oh, I get them all together, or, or, or look at me now. Lord, I want to stay in that place where I'm relying upon you all the time. And God, may you open our eyes, Lord, as you answer our prayers and work those miracles, Lord, then we may see you, Lord, in your greatness, in your holiness, that we would see you clearly in who you really are. And when we do, when we come to see our own sin, Lord, may we humble ourselves and come to you, confess our sins and find your love and forgiveness, Lord. And with that, in the middle of that humbleness, Lord, God, may we be all years to hear what you want us to do. And may we truly become, Lord, disciples, Lord, following close to you. So keep us in that place, Lord. Keep us, Lord. Help us. Lord, may we always have a spirit of teachableness, Lord. Keep us in a place that we are always teachable. Lord, we are here right now. Guide us, move us, teach us, Lord, and help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.